0: Hello, and welcome to Trails Podcast, our show about all things Salesforce. Trails Podcast is brought to you by Hute, Salesforce DevOps platform for gate based development. Learn more about Hute by going to our website, hute.io. Hello, and welcome to Trails Podcast, a podcast about all things Salesforce. I'm Vlad, and here in the studio with me is Harald, co-founder at Hute. Hello, Harald. Hey, glad to be here. Our guest today is... Tim. And Tim, please introduce yourself and tell us about your journey with Salesforce.
1: Hi, Vlad. Hi, Harold. I'm Tim. Tim Schuitenmaker, which is a hard name to pronounce for most people. I'm uh, the managing director of Gomedo. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Salesforce today, which has uh, been my main job for the last 15 years or so. Been in the ecosystem for quite some time. Specifically, also talking about Gometo, of course, which is my ISV application that we've launched on the App Exchange a number of years ago. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thanks for being here, Tim. So, first of all, it would be amazing if you could tell us a bit about your company, Gometto, uh, which problems you folks are solving, and why did you decide to build on the Salesforce platform in the first place?
1: Yeah, sure. So Gometto is an application that actually has been around under another name for the last 12 years. It's a scheduling platform and a booking platform. And that also means that it's quite agnostic in which industries we serve. So we do everything from retail to healthcare to real estate. Well, almost any industry that you can think of has some kind of planning process. And this is also where where we shine, we try to free up resources and cars and assets, spaces, people, whatever it is, by uh, making sure to see what's already being booked or reserved and how we can optimize that process. And also in a relation, most of the time, with multiple different aspects to the booking. So if you think about a test drive in a dealership, right, for cars, then you need to know, is the car available? Is my salesperson available? Et cetera, et cetera. And all of that needs to come together to actually determine if you can offer that as a potential slot. So we do that from offering that as a self-service on their website, of our customer's website, up until payments and like a full service cycle. Of course, all of it is native in Salesforce. All of the data comes back into Salesforce and usually extending other business processes that customers might have there. We're... Like I said, native, but in the end, it's, it's scheduling. And like I said, almost every, every industry has some kind of scheduling challenge. Of course, you also see that we've started this company 14 years ago. And in back then, there wasn't a lot of scheduling possibilities on Salesforce itself. And now you have a couple of scheduling solutions. And Salesforce has a couple like field service lightning or lightning scheduler which we sometimes compete in. But on the other hand, we're quite a different tool because Lightning Scheduler is there for appointments and we're there for scheduling processes. And Field Service is, of course, for Field Service, sending people on the road and keeping track of inventory and all of that, which is also not what we're doing. We're operational planning, I would say.
2: I'd like to chime in with a personal question for you. Um, Building and running a business on Salesforce How far did you take your own Salesforce skills? Do you (laughs) find yourself actually configuring stuff, building flows still in your current role? Or did you do in the early days? Did you collect a lot of, let's say, Trailblazer ranks or
1: points or certifications? Or did you keep it light? Uh, You're going on a personal level. Yeah, so uh, back when we started building this application, we actually... the second version of our application. So the first version was built uh, by me and some other developers in our team. So uh, I started from a developer and then how things go, right? Um, we I grew to become more of a project manager and product owner and then ended up in the role I'm currently in as a managing director. It still means that because I have quite a technical background from time to time, I'm still doing pre-sales and being involved in sales calls and and explaining how our software works to a technical level even. So building the demos, building flows, even building code if needed as part of the bigger, wider picture that we're trying to, to of course, tell our customers. Yeah, it makes a lot of
0: sense, Tim. Thanks for, for sharing. So you mentioned that you started your company, what well, like 13 years ago, right? What I'm wondering about is how has the Salesforce ISV landscape changed since you started your company and which things have gotten easier or harder as an ISV?
1: Yeah, so I already gave some examples. Of course, there are now more competitive products, although I still think we're quite a unique product in the sense that a lot of the products are focused around appointment bookings, as we call it. So it's relatively straightforward process in which we're trying to find availability between two people. And you see that within the last nine years, there are just a lot more ISVs. A lot of Salesforce has grown massively. And as an ISV, you're growing automatically with them almost because as part of the, the outreach that they are doing, they often include ISVs, right? They they see that you solve a certain problem that their customer has from a Salesforce point of view. And automatically you can then, you're being part of bigger deals and, and all of that, right? It's... Not per se, things are becoming easier and harder. I don't think that that is something where um, where f- things have changed in the sense that it's still the same kind of process that you go through as an ISV where you try to build your app. It's like building any SaaS application, right? You're trying to build an app that fits the needs of your customers. And your customers now are on Salesforce, which gives you just a bit of a niche proposition a big niche because a lot of customers are using Salesforce, especially the ones I'm talking to, but it uh, indeed gives you power to build things faster, but still you have to listen to your customers and prospects and Salesforce to see how your product should evolve, right? And some competition also means that there is a healthy market landscape, right? It means that others are also seeing the need that we're solving, right? Or seeing there is a need for solving the issues that we're solving. And I think it's good. Uh, I see these days that there are more ISVs collaborating together and making success stories. I know that you had Eugenie on this platform before, right? For example, we have a couple of opportunities and customers together where our ISVs products extend each other because they offer a certain thing and we offer something else. And if you'd link them up, you have an even better proposition. And that's also what we're doing with payment platforms and all of that, right? So. I think that's a, a trend that I've been seeing in the last couple of years where ISVs are looking to each other and trying to promote their product by also promoting others.
0: Don't miss the following Trails podcast episodes and
2: articles. Subscribe to our newsletter at futa.io trails. In the last episode, we have heard from an ISV founder who had a product, again, a niche uh, product that was somehow quite remote from CRM, so he said he would rather use Salesforce as the technical platform to build out a secure SaaS product quickly and pointed out those advantages of being on Salesforce. Your offering, as I understand, is very closely coupled to CRM use cases do you nevertheless find yourself basically selling into companies that don't use Salesforce yet and where you
1: are the segue to Salesforce? Yeah, sometimes. We offer both, right? Salesforce offers something that they call OEM and isv force. I'm not sure if I should go into all the details, but one is we're selling our product as a standalone product, the OEM one, and the other is we're selling it on top of whatever the customer already has within Salesforce. And sometimes we sell as OEM uh, also because there are a lot of use cases specifically around a bookings process where you don't want every user to have the full Salesforce permissions, right? They don't want them to see all the Salesforce data, but you do want them to see booking data, like incoming bookings and those kind of things. So that's a, a good use case where we som- sometimes combine OEM with, ICE with Salesforce. Also, we have a couple of customers that are just using our platform because they still are getting a lot of value out of the reporting and dashboarding and the accounts and contact structure that you get with any application built on top of Salesforce. So, yeah, definitely, uh, we do both. But I must admit, a majority of our customers are customers that are already using Salesforce in some kind of way. I think one of the things that causes that is the market penetration, right? They have a lot of customers. So a lot of customers that are on the platform are actually also looking to the app exchange, and they're finding our app and which they think should be part of their business processes.
0: Tim, we know that you folks at GoMeto are expanding internationally right now. And could you please tell us more about your international go-to-market playbook and how exactly you're doing this as an IC?
1: Yeah. So we're doing a lot of market scans these days where we're looking into where Salesforce is growing because where Salesforce is growing means there is more market for us as well, because it means that there are customers onboarding on Salesforce and most likely a a lot or some of those customers will also have the need for a booking platform. So what we're then trying to do is, of course, do mass marketing from brand awareness in those countries or in those regions We're trying to hire salespeople in those specific language areas. Usually, they're not really tied to a country, but usually based on a language. You start with the mass marketing, which means LinkedIn campaigns and advertisement, maybe on Google or app exchange specific material in certain languages. And then we're also trying to do more tailored marketing approaches and actions. For example, more account-based marketing. If we know there's a good customer for us, in a specific region, we're trying to do a more personalized outreach and making sure that we have have the right message towards those customers saying, hey, you're in a region where we want to grow. Of course, that also comes with certain discounts and stuff, right? You want to make sure that the first customers are happy and all of that. I think overall, you see that there's a lot of things where we are trying to... To grow into new markets, and it's not always been easy. You see some markets are o- opening up new markets easier than others, especially if Salesforce is already like a an household name. So the US, we already have a lot of customers in the US while we don't have a specific sales in the US. But I think that will be something for our growth plans for the upcoming years that we would hire someone there. Yeah, and go-to-market also means just being there. I mean, it means talking to the right people within Salesforce, being on the events, showing your face here and there, doing uh, sponsoring drinks, whatever, right? It's everywhere. It's just making sure people know who you are and help them with their deals. And that, that will return to yourself at some point as well. Yeah,
0: that's a good strategy for sure. So you mentioned you're doing market scans trying to figure out where Salesforce is growing. Just curious, you know, which which regions or which countries have you identified where Salesforce is growing the fastest or so like which, which geographies are most promising?
1: If talking about Western Europe, which is where I'm located, I'm in Amsterdam, you see it's easy to, of course, start with your own local market, right? So if you look into the, the distribution of Salesforce in the world, I mean, most of the customers are in the US by far. I think it's, if you look into the global distribution of Salesforce, I think it's almost 80% of the customers are, no, wait, 62%. I just looked up the number. 62% of the customers are located in the US. Uh, And next to that is then the UK, which is the biggest market here in Western Europe. Not sure if they like me calling them Western Europe, but let's (laughs) just do it. (laughs) Yeah. You see there are that those are the two biggest markets. And also that automatically means most of our customers are there. And then if you see uh, the Benelux and French and Germany, they're fast-growing markets for Salesforce. You see there is uh, a lot of new customers being onboarded in those areas. And that's also where we initially focused on. So we focused on expanding to the UK initially. And now that's set up, we are now hired someone for France and we're trying to grow that. And uh, Germany as well, right? Those are the, the countries where we have a specific focus on in this, at this point. You also see for example, from a personal opinion, I see a lot of new opportunities coming in Australia. not sure why but a lot of the and some South southern Europe uh, sorry southern Europe is growing but also um, Americas as a whole so also South America. So you see things are picking up there as well, right It's a, a different uh, different market though and you need to have a different message for that as well specifically localized messages, which is of course a challenge in its own right.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Tim. And thank you so much for the insights. So what's next for GoMedia? What are folks focusing on right
1: now? What's your biggest challenge? The biggest challenge? Well, you didn't think that market expansion was enough of a challenge? No, I'm joking. Now, there is, of course, uh, there are still some challenges that we have to overcome. I think our products, we are working hard on getting a better message out. We have a very... Well, you can imagine a product that's been built for the last 12 years or so. It's just, it's big and can do a lot of use cases because it's been constantly developed into new areas, new region, new messaging that we have to get out there is, is part of the structure that we're working on right now. Because we want to make sure that people understand what we're doing and how we compare to other scheduling platforms, maybe even the ones that Salesforce offers themselves and also where we're unique and where we offer a better experience for the end user, et cetera. So that's something that we're working on quite hard these days to make industry-specific products, not per se products, but propositions where we tell a story within an industry and how we solve, how we help customers in that industry. That's one of the of the main challenges that I have, making a product that's really agnostic-specific for certain industries.
2: Great. Thank you so much, Tim, for those insights. Super inspiring also for us uh, running a ISV ourselves. Fellow founders. Um, yeah, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Tim. Cheers. Trails Podcast is brought to you by Hute,
0: Salesforce DevOps platform for Git based development. You can learn more about Hute by going to our website,
1: hute.io.